Welcome to the EQ Podcast. All right, welcome to the EQ Podcast, a show focused on equipping ministry leaders within the Pacific Northwest and the Calvary Chapel Association. I'm your host, Zach Lamberson, and with me as always is Pastor Steve Winery. And uh, we'd like to welcome back to the show today a guest we've had on before, Pastor Dallas Sandoval from Toppenish Calvary Chapel. How are you doing, uh, Dallas? Hey, I'm doing good, Zach. Good to see you, bro. Yeah, you too, man. And uh, we're doing something different on the podcast in the moving forward in the series. We're going not just interview pastors, but we want to kind of go through uh, Chuck's classic book, Calvary Distinctives. And I love this book. It's such a great ministry tool just to kind of share what's unique and different about what we do as Calvary's. And really, it's you know what makes us distinct. That's the idea of the Calvary distinctive. Is uh, it makes us unique among the church, and that's one of the things Chuck says in the actually the uh, the opening is you know if all churches were the same, you know we would just all get together. But God has a unique plan for every church, and so we're looking specifically today at the call to ministry, and that's kind of in the introduction to the book. But I think it's such an important topic, as you guys know, like to know your calling, that God has called you to this ministry. And, you know, I wanted to just start with you, Dallas, you know, and Second Peter talks about knowing your calling, right? Making sure your, your calling election is sure. And then Jesus talks about the counting of the costs that we take as, as his disciples. And I wanted to just ask you, why is it so essential for pastors to know their callings? And what does that even mean? How do you explain that to guys who are looking to get into ministry and like tangibly, like this is what it looks like? Yeah, it's funny, man. I remember back when we had the home group Bible study and um, the people that were attending were like, man, I think God's doing a fresh work, you know, because when we started our home group, we weren't trying to start a church. And so I never really saw myself as, as being a pastor. Um, but then when I began to, you know, consider that question in my own heart, man, am I called to be a pastor? Um, I knew one of the things was is that I would have to be definitely sure that I was. And so uh, the necessity to be convinced. And then um, I actually met with a guy and I said, hey, you know, because he had been at it for a while. I was like, you know, how do you know when God's, you know, calling you to be a pastor? And he said, um, well, he said, um, do you have the burden? Do you have a burden for lost souls? Do you have a burden to teach his word? And I was like, okay, yeah, both of those. And then he said something to me I never forgot to this day. He said, um, has God surrounded you with people that want to learn the word? And uh, I was like, yeah. And he said this. He said, uh, a shepherd has sheep around him. And so God will bring his people to you so that you can feed him the word. But yeah, it is so important to be convinced of it to know that you're called because if not then you live in a in a in a state of of um insecurity and man you never want to you never want to do ministry in a state of insecurity because then you're operating in fear and the decisions you make are not only going to hurt you your family but probably the church as well so yeah you want to be convinced bro steve i know you have a unique story too how god called you to ministry and you know use that as kind of an anchor in your ministry like god calls you to try cities and i've heard you say it before like i'm not going to leave until he tells me to leave and i think that's so important you know if god's called me here i'm here for the long haul and so when people try to come in and take over your bible study or whatever you kind of explain that a little bit yeah exactly uh well you know i grew up in southern california and that's where i got saved at and so there's a lot of weird people in southern california and so you you do a, a home fellowship and that's where i started out and um, 
you know, when it's two or three guys, nobody cares about it. But when it starts getting to, you know, 40 and 50 people, then all of a sudden people, you know, it's just this weird thing. They want to come in and take over. And so it was one of those things that I had to deal with when I was a, when I was a younger believer as to, you know, who am I? You know, to, and that's one of the things that a wolf will do to you. He'll walk in on the work that God's Gross. doing and go, this is God's church. This is not your church. Or this is God's Bible study. It's not your Bible study. And how do you argue with that? And the answer is you don't because it is God's church. It is God's Bible study. But did God call you to it or not? And if God called you to it, you don't get to abdicate. You don't get to give it to, to somebody else. And so there, there are things that you have to have squared away. Other, otherwise, Satan just uses it, you know, like That's Dallas right. was talking about. He, he just uses it to, uh, to wreck things. And, you know, when I, uh, one of the things that, that Dallas also mentioned is that um, if you don't know if you're called, you're, you're operating from fear and it can cause problems for you and your family and for the people. And that's, that's something that I always kept in mind when I, when I looked at what God had me doing. You know, it's like, who am I to inflict myself on a bunch of people, right? And, and so I better know that I'm supposed to be here. So, because if God's got somebody else, then let's let him do it and I can get out of the way of this whole thing. And so it can't be a self-centered type of thing. It needs to be focused on the people. So yeah. before I came up here, um, uh, you know, uh, it was me and a, and a couple other guys, Mitch, one of them. And uh, we had been uh, talking about um, building. I was a contractor, so we'd been talking about buying some land and building houses. And uh, I said, okay, we're going to do this. We've got to pray about it. I, we went home, and we were all together, and we prayed together. And God told me, you're not even going to be here. And th that started a year-long prayer meeting. Uh, before we ever came up. And during that year that we were praying, God gave us, um, you know, like literally pages of passages in the Bible about what was going to happen and how things would go and, you know, and that kind of, that kind of situation. And then we came up and checked it out and a couple things like that. And so, you know, by the end of that year, I have no doubt that I'm supposed to be here. And you know, Satan coming up and going, you're not supposed to be here, would just be ridiculous. And, you know, it would be, it would, it would be a stupid thing for him to do. And thus he's never done it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and so, yeah, making, making sure that your calling is, is something, not, not only are you called to be a pastor, but are you called to be a pastor in the place where God's got you? And uh, when God moves you someplace, you stay there until he moves you on. Yeah. So. Amen. Yeah, I was thinking that dynamic because I was trying to reconcile, you know, from me when I think of pastors who doubt their calling are often the ones who leave the flock, right? They abandon their sheep. But where is there room for church planners? Because that was something Paul did is he would go and establish and then he would move on. And it seems irresponsible as a pastor who stayed in a place for so long to move on all the time. But how do you, how do you reconcile that, I guess, is a question, Dallas. What do you think? I think there has to be, um, well, commitment's the word that sticks, to, sticks out to me, right? You need to be committed to the calling. You need to be committed to what God's given you to do specifically. And whether that is behind a pulpit or in a living room, you're feeding sheep. And that is just what you've got to decide in your mind once and for all, that I'm going to be committed to this calling. I know that God called me. He started me. He'll stop me. And so whether, again, whether that's, you know, planting a church and it's, you know, maybe slow, slow growth 
And those times of discouragement come, which they will come, right? Discouragement, testing, all those things are going to come. But I, I believe that if we anchor ourselves in Christ and make sure that he is our first love and that we're uh, taking care of our character, the fruit's going to come eventually. Um, consistency is a, is a huge thing. Uh, being consistent, being, being uh, continuing to be at that calling, um, you're going to stay the, you're going to stay the course, man. And that to me is so important. A lot of guys, they get discouraged and they give up. They give up because then they start questioning their calling. Well, man, you know, so-and-so started a church and from what he said, you know, he had a thousand the second week, you know, whatever, you know, or he had a thousand, you know, the first year and, you know, come on, you know, you just got to make sure that God has called you to be a shepherd and whether that's feeding one or two sheep or feeding a bunch of them, that you're going to continue to do it no matter what no matter what happens. And there's always going to be that testing, right? There's always going to be that testing. You're going to be hit with some shots that's going to be tempting you to quit the calling, um, whether it's a personal attack on you or your family or your health or whatever, right? You're going to go through testing because that's just a part of the calling. But you have to have a made-up mind that I'm going to continue in this because God called me to do it. So, yeah, man, that's just really what speaks to my heart, man. Yeah. I think that that's a really important point, too, because um, God didn't call me to have a large church. God called me to teach the word Amen. to the people who are in front of me. And then God is the one who adds daily to the church. Yeah. And so if God, if you know that he's the one who, who builds the house and uh, in the distinctives, uh, uh, Chuck also talks about the, the fact that if the Lord's building the house, then, then, you know, it's, it's going to grow. And that's where it needs to be. If I'm building the house, I got to maintain the thing, or you know, I got to I got to work hard at this. Yeah. And that's not that's not what we're called to do. We're, we're called to just teach the sheep and be faithful to the ones that are sitting in front of us. And then if God's got something going on, then He's got something going on. And are yeah. you satisfied with with the place that God's got you? With your with your question about um, Paul, though, um, Paul was an apostle. And so apostles are church starters, and yeah. you know that's that's what they do. And so in the in the passage in Ephesians four, it talks about um, Jesus gave gifts to men, and, mm -hmm. and it was apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastor teachers. And so Paul would go in and he would start the church, and then he would hand it over to the pastor teacher. And that was his calling. That's yeah. that's what he was supposed to be doing. That's right. Yeah, I think that's the distinct thing that you know some guys miss out because i see guys i've just noticed that and guys who are church planners i'm almost like they're being irresponsible but their calling is not to be a pastor their calling is to be a church planner it's to it's to be a, um, an apostle in that sense and so i got to remember to stay in my lane <laughs> right yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i'm gonna ask you guys this and i'll ask uh, both of you this question whoever wants to take it first but I want to just, you know, we, we know some of the obvious difficulties, the things that make us doubt our callings, but what are some things maybe you didn't expect that made you doubt your calling at time or made you kind of question or maybe just even wrestle with things a little bit? No, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> this is you this time. Uh, <laughs> uh, just struggling with my own inadequacies, you know, trying to be the man and then realizing that God hadn't called me to be the man. And realizing that, I mean, as a young pastor, 
Um, I was basically only one lap ahead of the congregation, right? What I was learning that week, I was teaching that Sunday, right? <laughs> and so just that sense of, man, I'm, I don't measure up and maybe I should just quit. And so I think that for me was just the inability. And then I remember coming across the passage where, where Paul asked the question, who is sufficient for these things? <laughs> me <laughs> i'm insufficient for these things it actually brought a peace to my heart but to answer your question though that was the one that really caused me to was causing me to question my calling but then god said that i'm using it to um keep you humble right that that sense of uneasiness and man i don't measure up and i'm inadequate and um he says i have you there in that place because it's keeping you humble and if if i don't keep you in that place you're going to get full of yourself and you're going to think that it's because of you you know, and so that's that's one for sure, Zach. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I I didn't really um, I've never really struggled with that, and uh, you know the the reason isn't well. Basically, it's because I never wanted to do this. <laughs> you know, it was it was <laughs> yeah. it was, it was uh, you know I I just I mean my background uh, I was absolutely. Uh, I'm I'm the guy that is terrified of public speaking, and and so by the time that God got me into the place where where I was a pastor, where I was teaching, um, there was there was never a, an issue of you know am I good enough because I already knew I was an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like one of those uh, things. It's like too. none of this is me, and so you know here we are. The the one uh, actually, but there was one time when I was like, I don't I don't know that I'm supposed to be, you know, how can I do this? And I got in a fight with my brother, and so it was my um, uh, my sister is uh, one of my sisters is 12 years younger than me, and so that would put me at like 28 years old, and I go back for my sister's graduation, and my brother just does stuff to his wife that's out of line. And then you know I you know I took him outside to to talk with him, and then we got into it, and he pushed me, and and it was it was a bad scene because I I wanted to kill the guy, and um, you know ended up apologizing you know for my attitude and and uh, and that kind of stuff, and I'm on the plane going home and just going God, uh, and I was assistant pastor at the time, and I'm like God, I'm a pastor, and I thought I thought this was all gone and. You know what is you know what is wrong with me you know and uh basically what what jesus said to me was you know steve did you think that you didn't need me anymore <laughs> and i was like yeah obviously i do need you mm -hmm. and so that was that was the one time i you know it's like i i blew it with my brother and i was just like obviously i'm no good i'm i, I don't belong here and it, it, it was never about the calling of God on my life. It was about whether or not, well, it's again, whether or not I measure up uh, in that situation. So, but otherwise, it's, it, I've, I've never felt like, it's always, it's always been Jesus doing it. And so, you know, what I feel like I'm doing is just doing, I, I just do the next thing. Okay. And so what Jesus tells me to do, I, I'm, I'm just gonna do the next thing and uh, be great. satisfied with that. Love it. Okay, let me just phrase it this way. I know guys who struggle because they know their families are going to be under attack. You know, that's one of the things you're called to when you 
put yourself in the limelight or you put yourself uh, in the game, so to speak, where Satan's going to come after you. And I know there's a, I want to see a feeling of retreat to protect your family. What would you say to guys to encourage them with that? Well, yeah, they need to protect their families, right? Um, my family, my family comes before the church and I've let the congregation know that, that my first responsibility is to my wife and my kids and, um, and, that I can get gangster. And if anybody says anything, you know, to my wife or my kids, um, they're gonna have to, you know, <laughs> they're gonna have to deal with me. So, cause I take that very seriously, man. Ministry is ministry. God can take care of ministry, but God's called me to take care of my family. So yeah. Yeah. Homie don't play that. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that totally. Um, but one of the things that, that happens if, you know, if you're called, your wife is going to be called and yeah. your ki- children are called too it's it's a it's a package deal mm-hmm. and so um one of the things that i i did with my wife was i waited on the lord to show her that we needed to do things so there there were a couple of issues where um for example i i went from uh southern california uh greg Laurie's church and I ended up going up to Big Bear because God told me to. And so when God told me to do that, I didn't walk into my wife and go, God has told us to move, and so pack it up, woman, let's go. You know, uh, uh, what I did was I told her that, you know, I think God's telling me that we're going to move to Big Bear. And she goes, no, we're not. <laughs> and I said, okay, <laughs> you go talk to the Lord about it. And God was faithful to, to take care of that because I've I got a wife who loves Jesus, right? Uh, and uh, and that kind of thing. Um, one of the things, and and I'm right with Dallas on on that kind of stuff. You you don't you don't walk up and say things to my wife, and and so you know it's like I, I protect her. But with my wife, you know, there's a there's a passage in Matthew chapter 10 where Jesus is is talking to the apostles, and he's about to send them out to ministry. And he talks about the fact that they're, you know, um, you're going to go out as sheep amongst wolves. And at the end of the, the passage, this is what he says to these guys. He says, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. And obviously... Uh, again, this is in the context of ministry. And so I, I need to understand that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm not a follower of, of, you know, I don't know, focus on the family. <laughs> not to, and I'm not diminishing that ministry at all. Um, I'm, my, my, my family is not, is not first before Jesus. Right. My family does come before church, but it's not first before Jesus. And so if Jesus has called me into in a certain thing, then that calling is going to be something that goes along with the rest of my family. And uh, that means that um, they have to be on board too. And so uh, I've seen I've seen situations where, where guys were pastors and their wife was undermining the ministry uh, because um, she didn't want to be there. And 
uh, felt like uh, in, in that instance, it was a situation where uh, she felt like he was putting the ministry above her and, uh, and that kind of stuff. And, and there are those struggles that you have with your, with your wife and with your, with your kids. And um, what, what you have to do as a called pastor is make sure that you're not um, neglecting your family for the for the church and this stuff can be done and you you know it's like you don't uh you just don't put church above above your family and so my my wife knows that there are sacrifices that have to be made because we're involved in ministry but i make the sacrifices as minimal as i possibly can and i make sure that that she's taken care of and it was the same thing with my kids my you know i don't i don't know about your kids but my kids growing up in in ministry it's like everybody thinks that they know them and you know it's like they're always saying stuff to them and and that kind of stuff and so we you know we had to talk those things through and and uh make sure that my kids had the right attitude dude this is where we live this is what we do you know this is what god's called us to and and so you Mm -hmm. need to be kind to the people and and that kind of stuff no you don't have to do what they say (laughs) right and and all that kind of stuff but yeah they're they're um you know when a when a pastor is called if he's got a family then uh god hasn't just called him he's called the family too and they're going to know that and it's going to be something that um they they jump into in the in the sense of uh god's going to make that a situation where they're on board so that's true yeah I would say, too, if you think that not going into the ministry or minimizing it is going to protect your family, the safest place to be is in God's will. So, you know, even for your kids, for your family is is to be where God wants you, even if it means they're going to be attacked. I mean, that's just a, you know, honest truth, because you get into ministry, you're going to be attacked. But that if God's got you there, then he's going to protect you there as well. So yeah. one more thing about that is uh, I don't love my family more than Jesus does. And so if, if he's got us in this place, he, he loves them more than I do. Amen. And so he knows the things that they're going to go through. He knows the, the struggles that are going to be involved in that. And he's, he's got that. And, and so I need to, uh, in, in, all the, in all these things, you know, I mean, when you just talk about being a Christian, you become a Christian, your family becomes a target. And that's the way that that goes. This is, this is yeah. where we live. And so I, I can't allow... Uh, the fact that my family might be going through things. I mean, if if I say something at work and people at work don't like what I say and I get fired over it, is that going to affect my family? And so am I going to stop witnessing because I'm afraid that, you know, and, and so yeah. on and so on. I mean, you can, you can come up with all kinds of scenarios. But yeah. again, the reality is that Jesus loves us more more than we could ever know and he he loves my kids more than i could ever love them and he loves my wife more than i could ever love her and and he's got all that so yeah are these uh so i'm thinking of things to encourage guys like what are something you'd say to a guy who is struggling who's in you know kind of doubting his calling kind of going you know, whether it feels like, you know, uh, maybe he gives you a phone call and says, hey, you know, I'm really struggling. The church is struggling. I feel like there's a lot of attack. What, what, what would something you would say to encourage someone in that situation? For me, it would be just encouraging him to stay intimate in his devotional life, mm-hmm. right? Because we are sons before we're pastors, Absolutely. right? And that's what matters more to the Lord, um, our sonship and not the pastoralship. 
um, if we handle the sonship stuff as a priority, the pastoral stuff will eventually work itself out. But we need to stay intimate above all things. We need to keep our first love and the discouragement will begin to, it'll get handled. It'll get handled because then in that devotional life, that intimate life with the Lord, he is just reminding us over and over and over again that he loves us. He loves us. And so when you do ministry, not for love and from love, the difficulties, you know, the, the, the dry days, the whatever, um, the questioning of the calling is one thing I do know is uh, a person can call me anything they want, but he calls me son. (laughs) And so, uh, that's the best identity that you can have on planet earth is to be a child of God. And so when your heart is settled there, man, it's like, come what may, I'm just going to keep my hands to the plow, keep my knees bowed and stay intimate with the Lord. And the, the, the confidence will come back, right? We all have those seasons where the confidence isn't, you know, what it can be sometimes. But as long as we're intimate, that confidence is going to come back. Yeah. When, uh, uh, if I was talking to somebody, uh, you know, Jeremiah always comes to mind in, in a situation like that. Mm-hmm. You know what? Your, your calling is not determined by your circumstances. It's, it's not the circumstances that called you. Uh, I, I like the term calling itself because it means that there's a voice there and the voice is the voice of God. He's mm-hmm. the one who calls me. Yeah. And so if, if he's called me to something, um, then I need to keep my eyes on him yep. and not on the circumstances. And so Jeremiah, it's like he, I can't think of a worse ministry <laughs> than being at the at the tail end of the of the kingdom of Israel before they're going to go into Babylon. Mm. These people are hard-hearted, they don't care. And you know, you look at Jeremiah's ministry and what kind of fruit came from it. And so if you're looking at numbers, there's none. Right. And and so you know, uh, you know the passage where Jeremiah talks about the fact that he decided that he wasn't going to say anything anymore, and it, but it God's word burned in his heart, and basically he couldn't keep his mouth shut. And yeah. it's because God came to the guy when he's like 17 years old and says, "I, I've called you. You know, this is this is what your life is." And and so um, I I would do exactly the same thing that. The Dallas was talking about it's like it's like you have to be close to the Lord um, because otherwise what you start doing is you start treating this like it's a job or like it's mm. a like like it's a career choice or and and that is not what it is this is this is something that is between you and the Lord and it's a it's something that uh, a responsibility and a, and a blessing that God's placed uh, within your with your within well placed you in and so, um, you know, if you're not, if you're not tight with the Lord, that's where Satan comes in and he starts getting your eyes off things yeah. that they need to be on. That's true. You know, one thing I was thinking about too, Zach, real quickly is, uh, uh, at least from my experience, most of the ministry has been done outside of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, uh, in a sense, right? I'm not talking about totally being dis- you know uncomfortable, but in a, in a very real sense, though. A lot of ministry has has happened and does happen outside of my my comfort zone, out of outside of my um, ability to relax at times. Some you know sometimes, but praise be to God that He's faithful, man. He is faithful. That's one thing I do know is that God is faithful, man. If He's if He's counted you trustworthy and put you into the ministry, 
um, he's got you. He's got you. Like in Revelation where, you know, the, the angel had the, the star in his hand, right? The pastor, it's a picture of the pastor being held by the Lord, right? He was holding the messenger, excuse me, right? That the Lord was holding the messenger there in the book of Revelation. And man, he's holding you. He's got you. And so just, you know, man, stay right there. Abide in him. Yep. God's calling is his enabling. That's right. Yep. Okay, I'm going to float out one more scenario. And let's say someone doesn't know that they were called, they got into ministry, and now they're in a position where they want to bail, but they want to be responsible about it. Uh, they, they, again, don't feel like they maybe were ever even called to this place or to this thing. I'm sure you've dealt with people like that. What do you say to those guys? You go first. You're going to make me? Okay. Uh, you know what? I, I've, I've been in that situation, not in uh, uh, pastoral ministry, but when I was first involved in ministry. Uh, you know, uh, I'm a young Christian, and I am volunteering for everything. And so there were things that I volunteered for that I was not, um, at the time, I was not gifted at. And... It was stuff that I I needed to not be doing. I would um, somebody else was going to be able to do it better than me, and so uh, I was a new convert counselor for a period of time, and I just did not have the time to, the that I needed to put into it uh, to be able to do it effectively and that kind of stuff. And so what I did was I carried through on my commitment, and when my commitment was finished. Then I stepped back and, and God took care of the rest. And so if I was in that position, I would, I would not leave until there was a man that I knew that was called to take my place. And, and so um, I've, I've stepped into it and I need to uh, carry through on my responsibilities at that point until I know that I've got a guy or until I reconcile the fact that Maybe I am called and I'm just being, you know, obstinate about it. But either either way, I would I would be faithful to the people until I had somebody there that could take care of it. Yeah, I had an experience. I was a youth pastor for four years um, in a denomination and loved what I was doing. You know, ministering every Wednesday, uh, once a month, teaching on Sunday mornings in front of the in front of the congregation, and um, I loved doing it. I actually got my my feet wet and got my teeth cut that way, learning how to preach and all that. And um, then the Lord started stirring in my heart that he had something different for me and um, didn't know it was going to be planting a church. But um, I remember when the Lord started to move in my heart and impress upon my heart that I was going to do that. Um, I had a young man in our in our youth group who was kind of aging out because he was you know, basically becoming a young daughter. He was like 19 years old. And um, obviously he had a gifting to teach and, you know, and he was very... Um, um, shepherd minded, you know, he loved the, loved the kids and stuff. So then I took him under my wing and started just kind of discipling him a little bit more, um, giving him opportunities to lead Bible studies more. And then when I felt comfortable enough, um, I went to my pastor and said, Hey, pastor, you know, I'm going to give you a two month notice, right? I'm going to be leaving in two months. Um, all this time I've been, you know, training up this young man. And if it's okay with you and if you're in agreement, you know, we'll have him, you know, take on the youth group when, you know, when I'm gone. Um, what I didn't want to do was leave leave them high and dry. Um, I I I cared deeply about these youth. You know, and it was about fifty to sixty middle school, high school kids. You know, and I mean, I didn't just want to bail on him. 
and I didn't want to bail on the church either. I didn't think it would be right for me just to up and leave and, mm-hmm. you know, leave that, you know, kind of floundering or whatever. And so I wanted to be responsible with the call. At that season of my life, I was called to be a youth pastor. Right? Teach the youth the word of God. Again, once a month, teach the adults. I didn't want to be irresponsible with the calling and just drop the ball. So I wanted to make sure that I, I left the sheep in good hands. And I think that's what a pastor should do. If a pastor is, is you know, second guessing his call, maybe saying, you know, man, I shouldn't have done it. Um, he shouldn't just up and leave, um, if at all possible. I mean, I understand there may be some situations where it might have to happen, but he shouldn't leave uh, the sheep without any kind of leading and guiding. He should be able to hand them off to someone that's going to take care of them and continue to feed them. Um, as they transition. Yep. All right. Since this is kind of a unique podcast, I'm not going to have a lightning round question, but I do have one question I thought would be good. Like, is there a book or a, re- a resource that you, either of you guys can think about as far as knowing your calling and and uh, just kind of you know something that would encourage guys? Like, hey, this is how you you know maybe just a again an encouragement to guys who are in that position. I mean, the first book that comes to my mind is Lecture to My Students by Spurgeon. I like that book. That was a great book. Um, I hate it that I let you go first. Why was that? What were you going to say? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. There we are. <laughs> go ahead. Keep going. No, no, no. It's a great tell, book. Yeah, tell them about it. So Lecture to My Students is a great book. I mean, it really helped me. Again, I had never been a senior pastor before. I had only, you know, basically talked to sheep my whole life. And so I, I lot, gleaned a lot from that book. And then a second Spurgeon book that actually helped me. Um, because it's it's a main part of the calling. Um, it actually, that's how the calling starts, is through prayer. Um, Spurgeon has a book called The Power of Prayer in a Believer's, a believer's Life. To, my, to, to this day, I think I've read through that book four or five times and highlighted it at different times every time I went through. So those are two books that I would recommend for a guy who's struggling um, to keep the main thing the main thing and then just that yeah. prayer life. Yeah. Uh, those books and then the other one that I really like, it's just a little pamphlet. And it's by a guy named Brother Lawrence called The Practice of the Presence of yes. God. Just puts ministry right in the spot where it's supposed to be. Yeah. Right right where your head's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's very good. That's good, good Steve. All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate your time and uh, look forward to moving through the rest of the distinctions with you, Steve, as we find other guests to come on and kind of go through them. And so uh, just pray that our ministries are continuing that we know our calling sure and that god is going to bless those things so thanks guys amen god bless you bro you're welcome god bless you the eq podcast is here as a resource for our listeners check us out at eqministry.com on our website you'll find a variety of helpful tools including past ministry conferences and a contact form to seek out help or counsel from seasoned calvary pastors who want to encourage you in your serving or answer your ministry related questions until next time god bless Thank you.